Hey, American Hauntings listeners, it's Troy. I'll bet you've heard of H.H. Holmes, the serial killer, the swindler, the builder of the legendary murder castle, and the devil who became the villain of the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago. But what does that have to do with this podcast about missing people? Well, if you're a fan of this show, then I think you'll also love our other podcast, which is available to our supporters on Patreon. Right now, we're in the middle of our latest season, Sinister, the true story of H.H. Holmes, and we're delving deep into the killer's most devious crimes and depraved murders. So get a new American Hauntings podcast every week by becoming a Patreon supporter and subscribing at patreon.com slash American Hauntings. And now, on with the show. A young woman will always remember her wedding day, and it's an especially meaningful day when her nuptials take place at Christmas. In days past, such a woman married during the holiday season would often be called a mistletoe bride. According to legend, a mistletoe bride exchanged rings with her young man one Christmas afternoon, nearly two centuries ago. Her new husband came from a great family and the ceremony was held in his ancestral home. A wonderful party and grand feast followed, accompanied by music, dancing, and games. Before the party ended, the bride suggested one last game, a round of hide-and-seek. She would hide, and her friends and family would try and find her. She was given a five-minute start, and she vanished into the depths of the house. Drinks in hand, the partygoers searched the house, laughing and calling her name as they stumbled about, throwing open closet doors and looking beneath beds. But as more time passed without her hiding place being discovered, the laughter died and the glasses of liquor were abandoned. The joyous calls for the bride to reveal herself turned serious as the clock ticked later into the night. Was it a trick? Was the bride just exceptionally good at the game or... Had something terrible happened? What had seemed to be merely a prank had turned serious and the house was turned upside down in an effort to discover where she concealed herself. But she wasn't there. The bride had disappeared. Believing that his new wife had run away, the husband was devastated. He spent a large amount of his fortune searching for her hiring detectives and paying men to check hospitals and morgues for any sign of his mistletoe bride. The search continued for years, but she was never found. Decades passed and he never left his family home, believing that someday his wife would return and he wanted to be there when she did. He spent his days and nights wandering the house, still looking for any clue that might reveal an answer to the mystery that had destroyed his life. Then one day, he accidentally knocked against a section of oak paneling in one of the corridors of the house and discovered a secret door that he hadn't known anything about. When it opened, he found a room that contained nothing but a wooden trunk. He tried to open it, but it seemed to be jammed closed. With tools, he finally pried it open and was stunned when he saw what was inside. Lying on the bottom of the trunk was the skeleton of a woman his mistletoe bride. She was still wearing her wedding dress, now fragile and yellow with age. She had apparently chosen the trunk as her hiding place on their wedding night, hoping to surprise everyone when they couldn't find her, but had been trapped in the trunk by mistake. She'd vanished, but she hadn't run away. She'd been with him all along. Welcome to American Hauntings, the podcast dedicated to the history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of American history. And welcome to our latest season, Gone, which is hosted and produced by Cody Beck and written and performed by Troy Taylor. That's me. America has had a long history of strangeness and unexplainable happenings. Tragic events have occurred here and mysteries exist for which no rational explanation can be found. 
Those mysteries include unsolved disappearances, like the ones we're featuring this season. We've opened the files on people who've gone missing, vanished without a trace, and have never been seen again. Their stories are haunting, heartbreaking, and tragic. They're bizarre, unexpected, and sometimes seem impossible. But one thing we do know is that they did happen. These people walked out the door one day and never returned. Their stories have no conclusion. Their cases remain open. Their mysteries are unsolved. They are gone. But we aren't allowing them to be forgotten. This is episode 15 of the season. A story of another runaway newlywed who never ran away at all. But unlike the mistletoe bride, this young woman has never been found. On October 14, 1965, 25-year-old Mary Shotwell Little decided to go out for the evening with a friend. They were going to do a little shopping and have dinner before Mary went home and started planning the surprise party she was going to throw for her husband, Roy. The two of them had only been married for six weeks, but Roy was a bank examiner at CNS Bank, where Mary also worked, and he was out of town training to become an auditor. Mary was excited for him to come home. Tragically, though, the party would never happen, and Roy would never see his new bride again. Shortly after having dinner with her friend at the Lenox Square Shopping Center in Atlanta, Georgia, Mary vanished without a trace. She was not the kind of person that out-of-the-ordinary things happened to. She lived a happy, ordinary life with a happy childhood, a happy marriage, and a happy career as a secretary. Roy never expected her to stay home and take care of the house. He was a man ahead of his time, Mary always believed, and was proud of everything she accomplished. She'd grown up in Charlotte, North Carolina, but had moved to Atlanta with Roy just after the wedding. He put in a good word for her when she went to interview for a secretarial job at the Citizens and Southern National Bank, but even without it, Mary would have easily have gotten the job. She got along well with everyone, had a friendly way about her, and had a winning smile. She seemed content with her job and, by all accounts, loved married life. Roy left for his training October 14th, but would be returning the next day, so Mary planned a welcome home party for the night of the 15th. When she finished work, she drove her brand-new pearl-gray Mercury Comet to the supermarket, placing four bags of groceries in her car. She then drove to Lenox Square to meet her friend. The shopping center was located in Atlanta's upscale Buckhead neighborhood. They had dinner at the Piccadilly Cafe, and according to her friend, she was in good spirits and had glowing things to say about both Roy and their marriage. They finished their meal around 8 p.m. and then walked out to the parking lot together. They waved goodbye, and Mary's friend drove off. When she last saw her, Mary had been wearing a white London Fog raincoat over an olive green dress with white flowers on it, jewelry, eyeglasses, and flat shoes. She was carrying a set of keys and a pricey John Remain handbag. Mary was never seen again. The next morning, Mary didn't show up for work. Now, she hadn't worked there long, but this seemed very unlike her. Her supervisor believed that she knew Mary well enough to know that she would have at least called in sick, so she spoke with the co-worker she'd had dinner with the night before. Well, she told the supervisor that Mary's car had been in the parking lot near Lenox Square and that she'd seen Mary walking back to it after dinner. She hadn't seen her get into it, but everything had seemed fine. Security guards at the shopping center were alerted and initially were unable to find the car, but then finally spotted it at about the time Mary's supervisor arrived at the scene. It was in plain sight in section yellow 32, where Mary had parked the evening before. At this point, the police had not yet been called, but they soon would be. The comet was covered in a layer of thick red dust as if it had been driven on a dirt road. Mary's shopping bags were inside along with Coca-Cola bottles and a pack of Kent cigarettes. Mysteriously, there was also a slip, underwear, a girdle, a bra, and one stocking inside the car. Except for the bra and the stocking, everything had been neatly folded and placed on the console between the bucket seats. 
The panties were later determined to be Mary's and the stocking had been sliced apart by a knife. Her dress, coat, jewelry, and car keys were missing and have never been located. Worst of all, though, was the blood on the clothing, the steering wheel, the driver's side handle, and on the front seats. After they saw that blood, it was now decided they needed to call the police. Officers were soon on the scene and discovered that while Mary's car was in the same parking section it had been in the previous night, it was not in the same parking space. It had been moved. A traffic officer stated that the car had not been in the lot at 6 a.m. that morning. Because the engine was cold and the ignition key was missing, the police theorized it could have been driven during the night. Every available police officer was detailed to the case. The woods near the shopping center were searched, as were the alleys and empty buildings near the parking lot. By the weekend, hundreds of Army reservists and volunteers joined the search, checking wooded areas and creeks for 20 miles in every direction. Private airplane owners offered their services flying over Atlanta, searching for the missing woman. On October 19th, the Georgia State Crime Lab issued a report that stated that the blood found in the car was consistent with Mary's blood type. There was no DNA testing in those days. The blood in the car had been described by officers as, quote, a small amount, about what you'd get from a nosebleed. This led some of the investigators to believe the scene had been staged, especially since some of the blood was smeared. A fingerprint was found in the blood on the steering wheel, but it was never identified. Even in 1965, when a wife was murdered or vanished, the husband was always the first suspect, so Roy was immediately questioned. Oddly, reports claim he didn't seem that interested in his new wife's disappearance. This might seem surprising since Mary claimed to love married life, but it didn't surprise some of Mary's friends, and it definitely didn't baffle Mary's former roommates. They'd never liked Roy, and some of them refused to attend the wedding because of it. While he declined to take a lie detector test several times, he did have a solid alibi for the time when Mary went missing. He also had nothing to gain from her death, and detectives could find no signs of trouble in their marriage, aside from the fact that he seemed so disinterested in her vanishing. Roy was ultimately never charged in connection with Mary's case. Another theory that was investigated involved Mary being connected to a sex scandal at the bank around the time she disappeared. The bank had hired a former FBI agent to investigate claims of sexual harassment and possible prostitution on the premises. Although Mary knew about the scandal, it was later determined she wasn't involved and it was never linked to her disappearance. But another, more promising line of investigation soon emerged. Some of Mary's friends told detectives that Mary had recently expressed a fear of being home alone. This had come up several days before she vanished. Apparently, her uneasiness had started after she received some flowers at work from what was labeled a secret admirer on the card. The flowers were traced to a florist near Mary's home, but the customer had paid cash and couldn't be traced. Mary's co-workers said she'd also been disturbed by some telephone calls she'd been getting at work, but she wouldn't discuss them with anyone. However, a few days before she disappeared, she implied to her co-workers that she had something important she wanted to tell them, but she never did so. Detectives wondered if the calls she'd received had been from the same secret admirer who'd sent the flowers, but they were never able to trace those either. It seemed possible that whoever that person was, they were the reason that Mary became afraid of staying home alone. A few days into the investigation, an Esso gas station attendant in Charlotte, North Carolina, which was Mary's hometown, alerted the police that he had a credit card receipt with Mary's signature on it. It was time-stamped within hours of the last time she was seen. Then Atlanta Detective Superintendent Clinton Chafin learned that Mary's credit card had been used again, this time in Raleigh, North Carolina. Strangely, though, the card was used the second time to get gas 12 hours after the first purchase, even though Raleigh was no more than three hours away from Charlotte. 
Atlanta detective Jack Perry questioned both attendants at both stations. The man in Charlotte told him that he remembered servicing the car and there was a man and woman inside. The man had been at the wheel and the woman was lying slumped over in the seat, covered by a road map. She appeared to have an injury on her head and blood on her clothing. After filling the tank, the attendant gave the credit card to the man driving who handed it to the woman. She signed the receipt, Mrs. Roy H. Little. When asked why the man didn't alert the authorities to the woman's condition, he said that she tried to hide her face and she didn't ask for help. Besides, he added, he didn't want to get involved in what he assumed was a domestic issue. It was 1965. When a man beat up his wife, it wasn't a crime. A month after Mary vanished, a young boy in DeKalb County, Georgia, found a note that had been scribbled on the bottom half of a deposit slip from the citizens in Southern Bank, where both she and Roy worked. The note read, Help! Mary Little, being held captive. The note, along with the gas station receipts, were sent to the FBI lab in Washington for analysis. The results showed that the notes and the receipts were likely written by Mary. A search around the area where the note was found revealed no other traces of the missing woman, though. Meanwhile, Roy Little apparently decided to get involved in the effort to find his wife. He started appearing on the radio and on television and in the newspapers, pleading for his wife's return. He announced, This is an appeal from me and Mary's parents to the person holding Mary. Her welfare, safety, and safe return are our greatest concern. We will do anything, go anywhere, and we will help you in any way we possibly can. I repeat, her safe return is the only thing we care about. If the real kidnappers were listening, they never replied. But a ransom demand did come in soon after Roy's pleas were made public. The kidnapper asked for $20,000, and an anonymous caller instructed Roy to go to an overpass in the Pisgah National Forest in western North Carolina and find further instructions there posted on a sign. An FBI agent who went in Roy's place found only a blank piece of paper stuck to the sign. The caller never contacted the little family again, and the police and FBI determined the whole thing had been a hoax. The police continued to follow every tip, potential lead, and possible sighting, but none of them led anywhere. The trail just went cold. Mary had vanished. But then something terrifying happened. In May 1967, 18 months after Mary disappeared, one of her co-workers, Diane Shields, was murdered. Diane, age 22, was last seen leaving work in her blue and white Chevy Impala, which turned up at 2.30 a.m. the following day on Sylvan Road in Atlanta. Diane's body was found in the trunk. She was fully clothed, had not been sexually assaulted, and was still wearing a diamond engagement ring. She died from suffocation after her scarf had been shoved down her throat. The police speculated that the two cases were connected. It seemed to be too big of a coincidence that two women from the same office both disappeared in less than two years. One was murdered and the other was never found. If there was a connection, other than working in the same office though, the police never found it. Well, there's one other connection. Both cases remain unsolved. Oddly, the police file on Mary's case went missing at some point in the years after Mary disappeared. The original file has never been found, although the case remains open. What happened to the 1965 file? That's also unsolved. As the years passed, some investigators came to believe that Mary staged her disappearance and that she never met with foul play at all. However, no one seems to be able to agree on a reason why she would have done this. Other detectives are convinced Mary was abducted. Soon after Mary vanished, a woman reported being accosted by a man in the Lenox Square parking lot. She said that it happened on the same night that Mary vanished, just minutes before Mary would have been walking to her car. Could this man have been the one who took Mary? No one knows. He's never been identified. Or was it Mary's secret admirer who took her? Or the person who made the harassing phone calls to her work? Or had it been a crime of chance, a young woman in the wrong place at the wrong time? Despite the handful of clues and the many theories that have emerged over the last 60 years, 
It's unlikely we'll ever know what happened to that young newlywed when she left a restaurant one night, excited to get home and start planning a party for the man that she'd recently married. Okay. All right. Are you ready to go? Yep. All right. Thanks for returning for more episodes of the American Hauntings podcast, where we discuss history, hauntings, legends, lore, and the dark side of American history. This is season seven of the podcast, which we call... Uh, gone. gone. I got nothing else. Gone. Not, not, yeah. not this week. And I just apologize. I think I just made a really loud noise. I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> We're tired. Uh, in the middle of your reading, it was my chair. Um, I did. So sorry about that. Yeah, I won't cut it out. Um, it's the squeakiest chair imaginable. <laughs> and it's not even old. I don't understand it. If it was like some kind of antique chair, right. from, you know, that Abraham Lincoln used to sit in or something, I, I can understand. It's not even old and it squeaks all the time. Yeah, so. his ghost travels sorry. a lot, though. So who knows where he's been? Yeah, um, I don't know. Man. I don't know. No. So I'm your co-host, Cody Beckett. With me is my co-host, <laughs> author, historian, crime uh, the founder the owner of, of a squeaky piece. chair. Damn it, oh. that you took it away. Did I really? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Troy Taylor. Oh, dude. Uh, what's up, man? You, 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 we were both talking about how we're, we're kind of both exhausted, but you, you had a long weekend. You had a lot well, of, it was fun. I mean, it was fun. And so, I mean, I just, I wanted to thank everybody who came out over the weekend. Um, we had a, a, a decent turnout at the, at the book signing. Uh, we had a really great turnout for both the tour on Friday night and for the, um, the dinner that I did, the gangster dinner that I did on yeah. Saturday night too. That was a lot of fun. And we had a really great crowd. And uh, so my new book came out, that Blood, Bullets and Booze book about the Southern Illinois gangsters and the ghost stories. And um, yeah, we were, I mean, I don't, I don't have a number, but a lot of them went. I mean, let's say I didn't bring home hardly any and I took down like 18 boxes or something. So nice. it was, it was really a great weekend. So um, you know, you, if you didn't make it, you know, do what other people are doing, order them online. Um, we, we have them available on the website. Um, it's coming out with my, uh, a, a new edition of blood guns and Valentine's my Capone gangster book. Mm -hmm. uh, we did a, as a set kind of thing. So, um, most people are doing that, you know, just getting them both. But even if you just want one or the other or just one or whatever, you know, it's always appreciated. Use your podcast discount, you know. Uh, get online, order copy. Uh, were you were you happy? Make sure they're were all you, autographed, right? Were you, were you happier that you sold more books? Or are you happier that you didn't have to carry more boxes back with? Uh, both, both <laughs> is always fun. Uh, you know, I bought I, you know I bought that nice cart for the conference mm -hmm. this year, and so uh, that made it a lot easier getting them in and out of the Mineral Springs. But uh, yeah, no, I didn't have to take very many home, so that was nice. Uh, but now it was it was nice, and I got to see like some of my favorite. You know, people usually, mm -hmm. you know, like podcast folks, yeah. uh, Rob, Joe, uh, they'll know who they are, you know, Cheryl, they all came by. And so it was nice to see a lot of people and uh, was fun. And Joel, who often helps me with the events, uh, made uh, lunch for us. Oh, uh, nice. For, yeah. During the signing. So I ate way too much Mastacholi while signing books. Oh, boy. It was very good. So just carb, carb load and try to stay awake. Exactly. Yeah. Then trying yeah. to stay awake for, you know, in between the, the book signing and, and the dinner that night, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to go take a nap and yeah. then you know, I'll be back. You find <laughs> me in the Jeep. Yeah. 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 But it, no, it was a lot of fun. So yeah, it was, and th this was also the weekend that tickets went on sale for the Alton and the Decatur tours too. Mm -hmm. So I was dealing with all of that all at the same time, you know, as far as getting everything ready for it. So uh, the Decatur tours, um, you know, our 30th anniversary haunted Decatur tours are uh, selling up, filling up quickly, very quickly. Nice. So we, we knew they would. So that's very cool. Alton is, uh, Alton's taken off pretty well too. So it's, it's really nice. So our Springfield and our Chicago Halloween tours are, are up now. Um, but you know, we've got the dinner events, we've got dinner and spirit tours, all that stuff is available now on the website. So if you're interested in doing anything fun with us, come hang out with us this fall. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a good time. So We've got some events and dinners and things that are already getting close to being sold out. So anyway, it'll be fun. It's going to be yeah. a busy fall. It's only August. 
somebody said tours on sale already and i'm like it's it's the end of august yes you know yes yes you have to start thinking about them you know we don't just do them about halloween you know yeah but yeah no i'm i'm looking forward to it's gonna be a fun fun fall exactly yeah and i'm I'm planning on coming out to a couple things this fall i don't exactly yeah. know what yet but i'll be there to support or hang out or participate or whatever so yeah i'm excited to see cool. people and do some do some fun spooky stuff again it's been, it's been too long since i've i know it felt you scared been out. yeah yeah you <laughs> haven't been out much You're right. yeah I've been, I've been scared for more uh, like real world things so i'm more, <laughs> more excited to be scared from uh, something beyond the veil a little bit you know yeah uh, there you go out there <laughs> um well yeah i want to jump into a listener review real quick this one is oh, sure. from uh dossie girl and it's just titled love 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 says i started listening to the very first episode i'm so sorry Um, i've been hooked ever since i've told my friends and just anyone who will listen to me which is what we've requested Uh, yes it is is. everyone you see and meet yes Yes. um i've always been interested in true crime and paranormal and the uh, the way y'all do this podcast makes it so entertaining so thank you so much for posting that review yeah i'm glad we make it entertaining a lot of people uh over this past weekend oh i love the i love the podcast i love the podcast which is great um and you know and then and then they say well yeah i started at the beginning and then i always apologize yeah, and then yeah. uh but they're like yeah no i'm up to date on the new new episodes so so i was talking about listening to the alton episodes he was telling me the other night and uh i said the old ones are the new <laughs> ones right. and he says oh both i'm i'm uh, caught up and i'm like okay well like, this is all important. right then yeah <laughs> yeah well hey you know if you've if you've hung around with, with us from the beginning like thank you for suffering yeah, and dealing yeah. with that and um yeah if you've listened to everything through that like yeah thank you so much i, I really can't express how much it means to us we didn't expect any of that and no. um but here we are so yeah thanks yeah. and i'm glad we're we're entertaining people you know it's all i've ever really wanted to do mm-hmm. um okay let's talk about mistletoe bride so i didn't know that was a thing yeah i didn't uh i was i was trying to think you know i kept thinking i know you know i like to tie something in with the Mm -hmm. main story something short and um i knew there was a story about you know i knew there was a story about a bride you know pretty much this story and but then i found out that that mostly she's called the mistletoe bride and there are lots of different houses apparently where this story has been put on to, you know what I mean? Where they say, oh, this is the ghost that haunts the house and she wears a bridal gown and this is why. And mm-hmm. then she got locked in this trunk, you know, by mistake playing hide and seek, you know, on why yeah. on her wedding night, I have no idea. But apparently that was a custom years ago. Um, <laughs> so not, yeah, uh, never mind. I was gonna go somewhere else with that. I'm not going to. So thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, you're welcome. And um, <laughs> so it was just one of those things where I thought it was kind of a fun, little thing to put on the beginning of a woman who just recently gotten married. So that's, that's why you got that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes. I, I hope people liked it. If not, it was short. So I, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting story and a, a, just a term I'd never heard before. Yeah. I really, um, I, yeah, that's where I, I read, I, that was the thing. I mean, I knew that there were stories about the brides, but I did not know that holiday brides were called mistletoe brides. Mm-hmm. Apparently that was a custom a long time ago and i had no clue i i really didn't i just it, thought it was cool it so. isn't isn't mistletoe like poisonous too well if you eat it yeah you're so supposed to eat it but you're i just did like i, I just didn't know underneath it. i just didn't know how that all ever like came about especially if like a, a morbid kind of thing like you kiss under it it's romantic. yeah there's you some there's it, a die. like a nordic legend about um freya cursing the mistletoe because it's was used to kill one of her sons and mm. i don't know it's a there's more to the story i usually post it at christmas time and uh, if only i had a way to look it up but anyway yeah. um i usually post it around christmas time and uh right now i'm just i'm i'm trying to block out anything to do with christmas so mm-hmm. I have no memory of it at the moment yeah. so yeah um but yeah it's it's yeah we just we got to deal with halloween so yes I, yeah no well, we're, right we're doing we're during the two-week period where grocery stores are selling halloween decorations before they switch over to <laughs> right oh, like yeah. thanksgiving well, that, that, and yeah, christmas because then after labor day then it's got to be christmas stuff yes it's like you're killing us here yeah just let us <laughs> yeah. have this this let us have yeah. this time um <laughs> october 14th 1965 so 25 year old mary shotwell little newly wed to roy after having dinner with a friend Mary vanishes. Uh, this one's interesting because there's at least some some evidence of foul play, I guess, at least, you know, yeah, of some kind. Yeah, it's just what evidence there is is so odd. 
Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's just Ca- so weird. Yeah. Car covered in dust, um, a car being moved from the parking well, and, lot to a different spot. And the the charge card, the charges. Yes. You know, yeah. in different is, places on her credit card, which, you know, 1965, those were early credit cards. But mm-hmm. I guess her husband did pretty well. I'm, I'm guessing. And I'm sure they were, you know, charge cards from the bank where they both were. Sure. But I mean, you don't think about credit card receipts with that much in 1965. Well, well that's back a thing. then it was like Diners Club, right? I mean, well, I that, don't. That's yeah. the thing with you and I, with, with a lot of the stories we talk about, we don't even, they're typically so old that we don't even have trails to follow like this. Exactly. You have credit card exactly. receipts, you know? And so this definitely shows like something, you know, kind of wonky. Yeah, um, something was going on. She was in a car with somebody. With somebody. You know, I mean, right. you know, and she looked like she'd been beat up. And of course, you know, as usual, the gas station send it's like, well, I don't want to get involved in that, you know. Uh, yep. Yeah. And yeah, you mentioned <laughs> yeah, he wants to beat up his wife. What's well, my, my problem? I'm sure she deserved to be slapped around, you yeah, know. None, no, of, none <laughs> of my yeah, of to, to the moon. Man. Yeah. None, none of my none of my business sort of thing. Uh-huh. Um, so the blood type that they find in the car matches Mary's, um, but they all they can really do at that point is match blood types. Um, and there's a fingerprint that they can't id uh so roy can you talk to me a little bit about him so he seems like a dick but he has an alibi but then he starts to care well i don't i think um you know i think there's a lot of ways to look at that um i i I was reporting the facts without because i knew we would talk about this yeah yeah. and i think that i mean she was extremely happy so he must not have been that big of a dick because she talked to everybody she knew about how happy she was and how much she loved being married and and Mm. loved this guy and you know he went he was gone one night to auditors training and she was going to throw a party for mm-hmm. him i mean i mean a party of two but you know sure. that's a she got that's the best kind of party yeah, yeah you know and so exactly. you know so she was going to throw a party for him when he comes home when I'm, I'm assuming going to make him something great for dinner he didn't you know was proud of her didn't expect her to stay at home and take care of the house she could do she wanted to work he said go for it i'll put in a good word for you and i'm guessing they didn't need the money she's driving a brand new car mm-hmm. you know and she's carrying an expensive purse and all this stuff so they apparently didn't need a second income but she wanted to so i don't you know i've always my vibe from this story has always been that he was a probably a decent guy but then the newspapers just didn't think that he seemed to care enough uh-huh and so i i reported that because that's what all the reports said but then the next thing we know you know, he's, you know, pleading on television for them to bring her back. That's all he cares about. He's like, just bring her back. I don't care who you are. Just let us have her back. So I don't know if, you know, maybe he got pressured by her family or his family, or maybe he really just was so stunned by the Mm -hmm. whole thing that, you know, how the newspapers are or can be. I mean, we've seen that so many times in every season, especially this one, though. We've seen that a lot with the newspapers jump on, you know, whatever lead they think they have. Well, they need a good headline. And blame it on somebody, you know, and it looks like Roy doesn't care enough. Well, he must have been involved, you know. The husband's always the first suspect. Yeah. Always, always, always. Rightfully so. Well, yeah, normally it is. But he was, you know, he had a solid alibi. Yeah. You know, he 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 was at this meeting. He was out of town. There were all these people that were there that could verify it. So, you know, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, but I think it was probably more in the perception of whatever reporters wrote that mm-hmm. story that I picked up. I think I think it's also important to like I'm I'm not d- dismissing his behavior or anything like that but it it is also still important to always remember you don't know how somebody's going to grieve or deal with things and there's no right, right response to trauma yeah. you know yeah, so, that's absolutely so, some true. people will laugh some people will cry some people yeah. will take a little bit of time some people will have no emotion because their brain just fucking broke you know yeah. like and you never know how somebody's going to to react it i mean it does look suspicious the way it's kind of laid out but again like you said the narrative we have is from newspapers and historical docs and stuff like that right and so yeah you're getting the spin of whatever the reporter put on it because i mean shit even i wasn't born when this happened (laughs) (laughs) so i mean it's a long time ago so that's all we got to go by you know i don't i don't have a a film to watch we can't call up the game film here and see what the investigation looked like and all we've got are the newspaper reports and whatever the cops decided to tell the the reporters 
Right. So, you know, I mean, it's a, and you know, and there's a lot of, I think what I like to, you know, what's always called red herrings in this mm -hmm, too, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, the, the sex scandal at work, you know, this, I mean, there's all these weird things that all these theories are floating around, but you know, and you were talking about the, the, what the cops found, you know, they, with her groceries and everything, and they found a pack of cigarettes, which were apparently her brand Kent, mm -hmm. which I, they probably stopped making those in the yeah, 70s sometime, but yeah, but then, you know, also then they find a slip underwear, a girdle, a bra and one stocking and yeah. everything, but the bra and the stocking were neatly folded and they were obviously hers, but none of her other clothes were there. And, you know, they didn't find her purse or anything else. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. I mean, that's the most bizarre thing to have been left behind yeah you know it's it's, it's like and she, neatly folded yeah you know? it, 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 well it's almost like you, you take that outfit if you're planning on meeting up at a motel having an affair or something like that but she <laughs> right. had she had shit to do like yeah she was planning exactly. a party yeah she had plans yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it doesn't make sense but but uh, so a month after mary vanished a young boy in DeKalb county georgia finds a note that had been scribbled on the bottom half of deposit slip from citizens in southern bank just said help mary little dot 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 being held captive what do you make of this I don't know. You know, there's so many, you know, stuff like that happens so often. And just like this guy who sends him out on a wild goose chase to, yeah, for the you know, the $20,000 ransom that happens so often in these cases we've talked about with um, people being kidnapped and stuff. I don't know what to think of it. I mean, they, they really did when they analyzed it, they really believed it was her hand handwriting, mm -hmm. the same as the signatures on the, you know, on the credit card receipts, they believed it was her writing. So, I mean, is it possible? I mean, and the fact that it was on a CNS bank slip, yeah, you know, deposit slip, that's, I mean, it's kind of on people, the news. If you were going to fake something, you know what I mean? You probably wouldn't think of that. Yeah. That seems like a, you know, something that you wouldn't even put into your head that you should probably do if you're going to hoax something, especially a little kid so, or even yeah. just if somebody else found it, who's going to think about it? deposit slip from the bank where she works she probably had too, in her purse a little too she calculated threw it out the window or something you know it's yeah hard to say so i mean i think that's a possibility that that might be something you know mm -hmm. but it's still still none of it makes sense all yeah. the driving around and stuff and how yeah. much the, how, the, how when the i'm not i'm not convinced that second time stamp though the gas station accurate one, the first the one maybe which um, was the second the, one, I think probably it happened. It's like 12 hours later. 12 hours doesn't make sense. It yeah. couldn't have been 12 hours. You know, that somebody's time clock was off there because it, by in 12, 12 hours, it, the car was back in the parking lot right. where they found it. So unless she was in another car, which mm -hmm. is a possibility, maybe the second one, she was in a different car. That somebody, there were more than one person involved, and oh, one right. of the guys took her car back to the parking lot, and the other guy went the other way to Raleigh, right? And then used her credit card to pay for gas mm -hmm. because you remember her purse never showed up, right? And her car was and, definitely moved and covered in dust, so her car yes. moved somewhere. Her car moved somewhere, yeah. It went back to the same section of the parking lot, but not the same parking slot, mm -hmm. so. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the only way, unless someone's clock was off that it's impossible, right. You know, for it to have been in her car. Yeah. I mean, for all we know, maybe neither one of them were her car because, um, it's very possible that they took her in her car and then put her in something else. And because the, this gas station attendant, uh, didn't say anything about the car, but I would have thought he would have described a brand new car. Yeah. Because I mean, think, her it was a '65 model car. I mm -hmm. mean, that means that it rolled off the line that summer, you know. So I don't know. Oh, it um, it depreciated so quickly. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> but so yeah, no. But, but I'm makes, guessing yeah. it wasn't. She wasn't in her car, so maybe that does make sense now that I think about it. Yeah. So, so I mean, we obviously we have limited information, and you mm -hmm. can only find what you can find. Um, do you think it doesn't? I, it doesn't seem like she's either very, very smart and and wanted to peace out or just a what weird, maybe crime of opportunity and, and, and or, or, you know, this other thing we're going to get into. But um, it just crime of opportunity or something. And, and well, maybe, wrong maybe. Place, there right was time. that woman who did report shortly after that she was accosted by a man in the parking lot. Yes. Like Ten minutes before Mary walked out. Right. So for all we know, it was somebody, you know, trying to grab 
you know, a woman, a woman who's coming out of the shopping center and missed the first one and got the second one. Uh-huh. It's hard yeah. to say. Built up confidence after failing the first time. And yeah. Decided to yeah keep and there going. weren't any security cameras, no CCTV back in those days. So it's not like you could check the film and see how, who this guy was. How so. did how did they know then that her car was in a different parking spot? Because I was wondering if they if they didn't have because cameras. the the girl that she worked with uh-huh. um, identified or knew what spot it had been oh god she walked out with mary when they got ready right. to leave right yeah. okay all right no fair enough um yeah we talked about the the no real ransom or dem- like no real yeah. ransom yeah. or demands or anything but then may 1967 one of her co-workers uh diane shields is murdered and that case remains unsolved and uh then eventually the original case file for mary also went missing yeah um, which I mean, yeah. it, you who I feel like that shit probably also just happens, but then could yeah, have it been does. I mean, covered? it does. I mean, we've talked about different cases where there were fires or you know uh, flood or, damage yeah. and things that happen. You know, I mean, things do happen. You know, the yeah. files are destroyed in you know the London Blitz that we okay. <laughs> in our Patreon episode we just put out. But um, but yeah, it does seem a little odd. Um, it also see to me. I don't know, man. I mean, they, I know they say, oh, well, the only connection was they worked in the same office. Okay. Don't you think that's a pretty big fucking connection? It's worthwhile I mean, to, to look me, into. That's pretty big. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, we're not talking about hundreds of people here. We're probably talking about, you know, a dozen secretaries in this bank. And that's a pretty small pool of women, you know, mm-hmm. that two of them, one disappears and the other's found uh, murdered and stuffed in the trunk of her car. Yeah, it makes you wonder, you know, yeah. and and also with this investigation into the whatever the hell was going on there. Right. I mean, that's, you know, I, I don't know what was happening there. Some they I can't find I tried to find some kind of details because it piqued my curiosity. Of course. But, yeah. We're talking about prostitution at the bank and, yeah. you know, and sex scandals. And I'm like, and see, I mean, that's like something out of like, you know, Mad Men. All right. I was just, you know, just going like, yeah. you know, secretaries, you know being asked to entertain clients or something. I, I don't know what's going on here, but that's pretty weird. It seems <laughs> like know? a lead you'd want to follow up. And- yeah, it does to me too, which, you know, then you you look at it and you go, okay, so these leads weren't followed up and this crime is unsolved. And now Mary's file goes missing. And, you know, I start to get, you know, the, the more conspiracy minded among us might sure. start to wonder about the police department at the time but yep. you know who knows what, yeah what so. did she know and it, mm-hmm. and it, 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 all, it could also all be coincidence however oh, yeah, absolutely. you could you could probably sure. rule that out pretty quickly if you just dive into both of them if you're investigating oh, yeah you could and you, separate you know. yeah 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 um so. and and i mean that's kind of just that's where it leaves off we just we just yeah, and know. that's it and that's the end so um, you know, we know that, you know, Mary was getting the flowers, they got the secret admirers, getting the phone yeah. calls, which were weird. Uh, yeah. Um, and you know, and, and a lot of that was just like, uh, oh, did you overhear her phone call? Oh yeah. She wouldn't tell me what it was about. It seemed very secretive. Okay. But was it really, I mean, right. you know what I mean? I mean, it's like the reporters saying that Roy didn't seem upset enough. And so you've got all these secretaries saying, oh, well, it seemed very secretive and she wouldn't tell us anything. Yeah. <laughs> she promised she was going to tell us some big scoop. Yeah, uh-huh. You know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. It really it's like, is. well, I, she, I, I don't, she had yeah, a phone I don't call. have anything. She had a phone call and she closed the door. So it yeah. must be. <laughs> oh, right. You know, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's just there's just not a lot to go on on Mm-mm. this. And it's sad, especially especially when you see somebody that appears to be happy. And yeah, then no this kidding. happens to Instead them. Instead of like, you know, we get all these cases. I mean, it's bad. It's bad when it's like kids and stuff. But we get these cases. These people are uh, horrible lives and go missing. And you're like, well, they probably just took off. Yeah, yeah. You know, but in this case, this is somebody who seems deliriously happy. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the fact that she tells everybody how happy she is. And, you know, I don't know. It's, I mean, we're talking about 60 years now. I know, I know. She ain't coming back at this point. So, uh, yeah, well, and I don't think we'll ever know, mostly because it's not, I mean, probably not all of them, but I'd say a big percentage of people listening to this episode have absolutely no idea who this woman is. Well, yeah. Well, it's Never not, it's heard not, of her. She's not, just this minor It's not character. violent or sensational. Yeah, nothing nothing to make it you know i don't know there's just it's just not it doesn't withstand the test of time over and over it's 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 known in around atlanta you Mm -hmm. know but okay 
out anywhere else. I don't yeah. see how people really would be too familiar with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you it's, know. it's, I, we, we talk about, you know, when normally like when a young white woman goes missing or something, there's, you know, huge outcry and all this stuff. Mm. But we also have to like remember, like, unless you're kind of like chopped up and found, like a lot of times yeah. you can kind of disappear to history yeah. a little bit if there's That's not a true. lot to go on. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's, uh, this this is this is one where it's not a happy ending or a sad ending. It's not it's not happy, but it's not even an ending. It's, yeah, that's, it's that's just a problem. It, that, yes, I think it's that's not a even better an way to put it. So. It's just it's just open ended, and it just kind of is what it is. And uh, you know, Mary, yeah. uh, Mary, I hope you ran off and had a great life, but yeah, but I'm guessing she did not. Yeah, so that would well, be my guess, unfortunately. Well, that that was all I really had. Were there any details that you wanted to go back over? Anything that I missed? No, not really, because I mean. That's, that's the lot, thing, right? There's yeah. there's only so much to to that you can dig into with this because there's nowhere to go with it. You know, I mean, they did, as far as we can tell, they did everything they can do, and there's only so much information available. So we have to just roll with it and hope for the best. You how'd know, you, we'll how'd put you a find, picture up. How'd you I find this story? You know, know. know. <laughs> it's just something I ran across a long time ago. Yeah, and it's just you know you stick it aside. I I do that a lot. I've got you know, scraps of paper where I'll run across a story and I'll write her name down and then I'll go see what I can find. You know, when we decided we were going to do this season, I started finding all the notes and, you know, that I had of people and some of them I'd written about, some of them I haven't, um, you know, she wasn't in any of my books or anything. It was just somebody that I thought was a sad story. So, yeah. you know, and so if let's I share can it with give you as many sad stories as possible, <laughs> I do. So, you know. Yeah. If, if, if Troy is to suffer, I have to suffer and yeah, you all have exactly. to suffer. Exactly. Uh, well, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our newest subscribers on Patreon. So thank you so much for supporting the show to Zach, Kit, Gabriel, Renee, Control Agent 86. Not sure what that's all about. Um, <laughs> Cassia, Serenity, Charlotte, Shauna, Joanna, Sarah, Nicole, Lazaro, Rich and Rezzy, Osmond and Amy. So thank you so much for supporting the yeah. show on Patreon. And I hope you all are enjoying the uh, the Sinister series about H.H. Yeah. H. Holmes. And it's, I it's hope people like the one that we snuck out there oh, last yeah. we, week. We, it was a bit of an oddball episode, but we thought it'd be fun. So. Yes, and it was, a, it was a pain in the ass to get it live. And that's a whole Yeah, we, we don't know what happened there either, but uh, it, it but, got um, out there. So it that's got the out important there, thing. And it's been doing well. And I hope, um, yeah, like, like Troy said, m most of the episodes are strictly kind of H.H. H. Holmes based in the history of chronological, all chronological, you know, yeah, th that this, when this we one, just jumped out of and put it in the, and stuck it in the middle. So. Yeah. And, and this one, I mean, it's a big thing. People like I'll see it all the time on the internet. You know, this is why H.H. H. Holmes and Jack mm -hmm. Ripper were the same person. And I'm just like, yeah, mm, I know. Here, here's yeah, why they here's work. why they're not. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just seemed like a good spot because where we put that episode in the series was as he's abandoning the murder castle yes you know and leaving chicago it seemed like a good spot to stick that in and before say this, he continued on with his further adventures well so, it's like yeah he, abandoned, he abandoned chicago and this is why he didn't go to london yeah again. yeah and, and why he was not in london yeah seven years earlier so. exactly well <laughs> it is now time for our ghostwriter segment so if you have a question or comment about the world of the macabre you can email us at american hauntings podcast at gmail.com uh, so troy so i made a comment a couple episodes ago about um you know needing more ghostwriter segments and questions oh, yeah. and stories and stuff and since then like people have really stepped up like we've got a great uh, like we got an influx of like great emails like one really fucking dumb one and then a bunch of like really good stories and a bunch of really good questions and so i just want to say like thank you for sending yeah. in all your stuff very cool um so this one is from shannon and it's titled uh, missing from el paso it says hey guys i'm addicted to your podcast and often talk back to you guys which makes my <laughs> husband laugh um i'm also getting a pretty large collection of troy's books even if some are still tbr due to the speed of the rising collection um <laughs> i wanted to comment on the spy possibilities of the pattersons i was wondering if their friend who disappeared was maybe their handler he would have been close enough to know if pat had spilled the beans to his girlfriend or anything else uh just something that hit my brain while responding to you out loud lol thoroughly enjoying the patreon podcast as well especially hh homes as i live not far from chicago thanks for sharing all the mysteries uh, yeah, yeah you, you know that you it does that kind of make sense i mean you know that guy was not he was the one who um showed up and told the buddy you know hey they wanted me to drop your car off yeah, yeah. you know i run this other photoshop here in town and 
oh, and by the way, here's a letter that says they want me to take over their business and have yeah. all their money. And then you're kind of like, okay, well, this guy whacked them or what? But then yeah. he t- takes off and disappears. So that kind of makes sense. I mean, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to roll with the whole run with the whole spy thing, yeah, you know, we've now created uh, an episodes of the Americans 1957 uh, exactly. edition, you know, um, but, and I did love that show, but it's a great um, show. Yeah, it was great. So, but it, that's, and that's always what that reminded me of is, mm-hmm. you know, if, if these people were spies, you know, they had a great cover, they were boring, they were, you know, ordinary or so they seemed, but then right. he's, you know, banging a waitress in Juarez and, you know, right. and it's like, you know, there's, there's some sketchy stuff going on here that nobody knew about. Oh, and don't forget the, you know, the, the travel, it was a carnival. He was a carny too. Uh-huh. Or so they claimed, you know, I don't know. There's so many things in that story that just don't make sense uh, that it's hard not to believe they were spies. Yeah. yeah any, anything's so, probable. Yeah. yeah the only, yeah, we're the, never going to know. So let's say they were spies. <laughs> yeah. Know? No, it's more fun that way. Well, the, yeah, the yeah. only problem I had with the Americans is um, like, we talked about this couple being very boring in the Americans, the main couple, they were too attractive. Yeah, that, well, that, oh, yeah, well, you know, can't the TV blend. stars, I know, you know, can't, of course. can't blend in, run at a travel agency. You yeah, know, when and, you, you look know. that good, you can't bl- fly under the radar. I still <laughs> had a hard time believing the FBI agent that lived across the street it never caught on, you know, and it's like, dude, how dumb <sighs> are you? So, yeah. but he was great in it, but still, how dumb are you? But, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, just painting him <laughs> in a bad light. Um, <laughs> that's all I got, man. All right, well, that sounds good. So, um, we we already talked about Patreon. So if you want to check us out, do that. Um, it's patreon.com slash American Hauntings. Uh, you can still jump in on uh, season three of Sinister uh, that's going on now. So it's uh, we're, I don't know, somewhere in the midst of the series. Don't, don't well, even. I, yeah. I don't know how many, but it's going. Anyway, uh, I also mentioned earlier too, uh, books, if you're looking for books, don't forget to use the podcast discount. Um, go to AmericanHauntings.net. Uh, you can also use it in Cody's shirt store, AmericanHauntingsClothing.com. And you can use the code. It, you know, all you got to do is type in podcast and you get 10% off everything you order. Uh, so, you know, like I said, you're making money by listening. Right. It's oh, free. So, someone so. actually emailed me earlier asking about the podcast code. I need to respond to them. But yeah, the podcast code, it just podcast Podcast. that's just it. podcast that's all you have to put in i so. will respond to the email but yeah just just think yep. uh oh gosh what could the code be podcast, <laughs> and podcast. Ju- just try yeah. it try it but yeah i will i will send an email about that but yeah just podcast um, yeah so cool all right man well i'll uh i'll leave it to you to wrap it all up all right well I, this... I i did change it a bit so i hope you updated oh it. Did, i no, not paste, really i, I only took out one word so oh boy oh let's see okay let's folks Stitcher. let's see if i can spot it <laughs> That's oh it. oh god <laughs> this episode of the american Hunters podcast was written by troy taylor and recently edited and uh, produced and edited <laughs> yeah. by me cody beck if you enjoyed the show leave us a review on itunes tell your friends neighbors and random people on the street about it and follow us on itunes spotify or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. See the website at AmericanHauntingsPodcast.com for more info about the show, notes, now Somebody photos, sent me an email. How do I get the podcast? Well, you go to any podcast Oh, app. man. Yeah, Literally just, any just, podcast app. Just, so. just Google it, Bing it, whatever you, admit, yeah, it, whatever you'll you do, it. you'll find it. Yeah, I've done a, I've <laughs> worked really hard to make sure if you type anything in relevant, you'll find it. Um, so you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or anywhere else that you waste hours every day when you're supposed to be working or studying. We promise that we're much more entertaining. You know, I'm worried I should take promise out of You know, line. we've we talked promise, about this. So we should probably say we... We hope but, we are. But Troy, here's the we thing. We might be. Here's the thing, Troy. I'm a liar. So I don't <laughs> I don't care. Um, All right, then. So until next time, goodbye. So long. And see you later. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs>